0: It seems like years, decades even, since COVID vaccine mandates were being debated across Australia. It's almost giving me a bit of a shiver down my spine thinking about it. But this week, there's been a significant ruling in the Supreme Court in a case funded by billionaire Clive Palmer, which saw three cases challenging the directive that Queensland police officers and ambulance workers had to be vaccinated to work. The court's findings could have pretty significant implications, not just for people who are penalised for refusing to be vaccinated, but for the way that the public service deals with other human rights in general. Wendy Bonathon is an Associate Professor in Law at Bond University. She joins me now. Let's just start by explaining to me what the court found, the Supreme Court ruling here.
1: Okay, so what the court found was that the directions that were made by the um, Director of Health and also the Commissioner of Police that required vaccine mandates, and they were looking at three specific directions, they found that those directions were unlawful. And they were unlawful because... In making those directions, the processes that are required under the Human Rights Act, specifically that decision makers take into consideration any impact on the human rights of those people who are going to be affected by making that decision or issuing that direction, weren't adequately considered prior to those directions being made.
0: So there was, what, 86 parties to this case? What does this mean for their claims against Queensland Police and the ambulance services?
1: So, what it really means is that those particular directions were made via a process that rendered them unlawful. What it doesn't do is make those directions invalid. And this is a subtle but an important difference because the finding that they're unlawful means that the court can then make orders saying, well, you can't rely on um, those directions as the basis of any disciplinary proceedings going forward. The fact that they didn't find that they were invalid means that they don't unwind any disciplinary action that was taken for non-compliance with those directions in the past. So it's a bit of a mixed bag. It, it finds that those those directions weren't made, valid, uh, weren't made lawfully, um, and so they can't be used prospectively, but it doesn't necessarily mean that anyone who was dismissed or redeployed or Um, otherwise suffered adverse consequences for refusing to comply with those directions automatically gets reinstated to the position they would have been in otherwise.
0: Far be it for me to second guess what happens in the four inches between Clive Palmer's ears, but he has said he would consider launching a class action for these workers. Do we have any sense as to whether there'd be more than just this 86 who might be able to take part in such an action?
1: So, in theory, it would apply to anybody who um, either uh, suffered harm or um, did something that they didn't want to as a result of, you know, I'm going to comply with this directive because I don't want to face disciplinary action. So, that might be somebody who got vaccinated that didn't particularly want to. Or alternatively, it might be people who said, no, I'm not going to get vaccinated because of this and I'll actually wear the disciplinary action, even if that could potentially lead to me being dismissed from my job. Um, There are about uh, 50-something applicants on this particular claim, so there are certainly a lot of people who I suspect might form the core of a class action were one to go forward, but it's important to note that it would have to focus on some broader issues than just the scope of this particular legal matter that we've got the judgment from yesterday.
0: It's 11 past four. Wendy Monathon is an associate professor of law at Bond University. We're discussing this Supreme Court ruling, which found mandating COVID-19 vaccines for some Queensland frontline workers was unlawfully based on uh, human rights grounds. Uh, The case relates to vaccine mandates, as I said, but there there are really broader implications for the way human rights need to be considered more generally. How do you think about that?
1: Um, I think where the value of this judgment really lays is that it's going to be putting public entities on notice within Queensland that if you're making a decision, you actually need to do more than just pay lip service to human rights issues in making that decision. You've got to engage with any potential implications for human rights in a meaningful way and make sure that they're given the weight that that the legislation intends them to be given. I suspect it's most likely to, in the short term, translate to a review of policies and processes by public entities to make sure that, yeah, we do actually have a robust process in place that documents and tracks what are we doing with human rights compatibility assessments when we get them are we actually engaging with them in a serious way or are we just dealing with them as a box-checking kind of an exercise? Of
0: course, Wendy, we've been talking about the public sector here. What about private companies? Do they also need to sort of show consideration for human rights under threat of legal action in the way that they operate?
1: So, it's a little bit different in the context of people who, for example, may have um, faced employment implications in the private sector because of the public health directives that were being made. If their employers were complying with what they believe to have been a lawfully made public health direction, then you know, if they've let people go or they've they've changed their positions on the basis of them not complying with those directives, arguably those employers have in fact acted reasonably and lawfully. So their position will be slightly different from the situation here where the people making the directives were a public entity, they were the ones in, um, enabled or empowered to make those directives, but they're also directly intended to be bound by the provisions of the Human Rights Act under this relevant section.
0: Wendy Bonithon is an Associate Professor of Law at Bond University. Good to talk to you. Thanks for your time
1: this afternoon. Thank you so much.
0: Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.